All right. White noise. There's a lot of white noise in the world, isn't there? It's really all around us. As a matter of fact, this week, if you're a if you're a church person, you're connected to other church people or other church networks, you know there was a lot of noise in, in the church world this week. A very uh, famous Bible teacher, pastor, he made some remarks about women, particularly women about ministry. He pinpointed one person named Beth Moore, who uh, you probably have heard of. Um, some of you may have even done some of her lessons. And he basically made this really derogatory statement that the problem with the church in America is that we're listening to her and women like her, and women just need to go home. Um, as you can imagine, your little reaction here, that kind of rippled across all Christian networks. Everybody was in an uproar, everybody had an opinion, everybody was responding, um, except for me, because I don't typically use social media to respond, I just use it to um, spy on all of you. <coughs> um, <laughs> I, that, was said, that was a joke, it really was a joke. Um, no, I don't use social media um, in particular, so my guess is, with all the noise that, that was created, you were trying to cut through the noise. Some of you were trying to figure out, well, what, what do other people say? What do pastors say? Well, what does Journey believe? What, what does Journey say about this? And I, I'm not going to spend a whole message on this because I could. I'm going to say it in as, as few words as possible, and it's simply this. I'm really happy that when the women showed up at Jesus' tomb to care for his body and found a resurrected Savior, Jesus' reaction to them wasn't, go home. His reaction to them was, Mary, go and tell. Go and tell. Women, we believe that you are gifted, that you are empowered, that you are enabled by God to be his ministers on earth as well. Don't go home. Come here. We have a place for you. So that's all I'll say about that. Um, white noise. <clears throat> Our lives are, are, are filled with white noise, and they can sometimes can be a little bit distracting. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm married. I, I have married a beautiful girl named Tanya. She's been my wife for, uh, I think it's 13 years now. <laughs> she was in first service, so I'm allowed to, to mess up second service. Um, we have three beautiful girls. I, I love our girls, and uh, when I tell people we have three girls, sometimes their reaction is, geez, do you guys know how that happens? And I say, yeah, that's the problem. We love how it happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, I come home from a long day of work, and I'm frustrated, and I sit on the couch, and all I want to do is, is sit with my wife and connect and, and talk about my day and talk about my emotions, and she just can't keep her hands off me. So we end up with, with three girls, and none of that's true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we do, I shouldn't say none of it, we do have three girls, and, and with three girls, as we had three girls, um, what you'll find is if you come into our house, with three girls, we have just as many sound machines, um, and, and I, I don't, did you guys sleep with white noise? Anybody use sound machines? I've talked to some adults after service, like, oh yeah, I do. They're kind of scared to admit it in service, but after, oh yeah, that's me, I, I do it all the time. Um, we do, all of our kids have noise machines, so if you were to come into our house at night, on any given night, you'd hear a bunch of white noise. You might hear the dryer running, and the washing machine, and uh, you'd go, go up to the girls' rooms and you, you'd hear, you, you know, just plain white noise. Or one of our girls loved the sound of the ocean, and there might be frogs and crickets croaking, or worship music playing. There's just there's white noise everywhere, and it's it's an amazing thing because the white noise is there <clears throat> to drown out the other noise, right? It doesn't cancel the noise. It doesn't doesn't make everything else stop. The white noise is there to drown out the unwanted noise that we don't want to have, and that's that, that's what's amazing about white noise. Now. For us, what's amazing is it's so loud, you don't hear anything. So that's the white noise for my wife and I. So if our kids wake up crying, it's like, tough luck. We're asleep. We don't hear you. And now some of you parents are judging me, but I just want to say this. You're welcome to try. It's amazing. <clears throat> when you, if those of you who don't have kids, don't judge. You're t totally going to use it. Um, uh, that was only slightly joking, but, but that is kind of what happens, is that we use white noise to... to to, to mask out the things that we don't want to hear. And, and that's really what we're, I want to spend time talking about this morning is, is white noise. And here's, here's kind of the, the definition. It's a form of sound masking, 
But really, that's what it does. It, it doesn't cancel, it doesn't, it doesn't negate, it doesn't take away any other noise. It just masks the noises that are already there. And the more you turn it up, the more it masks the noises. That's what, that's what it does. It masks all the unwanted sound that we don't want to hear. So we continue to turn volumes up and we continue to turn the sound up so that we don't have to hear the things necessarily that we don't want to hear. This is, this is how we've always done it, right? There's, just been, there's things that we don't want to hear. There's things that we don't want to feel. There's things that we don't want to experience, so we just keep turning it up. And as much as we find white noise in our, own, in, in our houses and you, you know, maybe where we're sleeping, and, and now we find white noise everywhere, right? It's in schools and principal's offices and counselor's offices and maybe where you work. I heard that this morning that they're putting white noise little modules in everyone's cubicle to kind of drown out everyone else's noise. As much as we've kind of filled our, 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 our environments with white noise, our life is full of white noise as well. It's, it's white noise just kind of is there to mask out the things we don't want to feel. And what's amazing about white noise is that you don't really hear it, right? It, it, but it's there all around. Like, like if everyone were to get quiet for a moment in here, you'd hear a buzz. It, it could be the speakers or the amps or the lights. It's always there. And it's kind of imperceptible. And we really can't make it out, but it's, it's doing its job. It's masking the unwanted sounds. Maybe even masking the silence. <clears throat> See, I, I think this is how we all kind of go through our life. There are emotions, there are things that kind of creep up in our lives, and, and we, we don't want to tend to deal with these things. We don't want to hear these things. So we just keep using white noise to turn up the volume. The, 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 the best example I have of this is when I was in college. <clears throat> I went to a Bible school in Rhode Island, and it, you know, there was like an 18-credit course load for a semester, and <clears throat> which is a lot <coughs> to begin with. But on top of that, there was daily chapel services, and every student that went to this college participated in a work program called SPICE that was students participating in Christian education, which just was a, fa- a fancy way for the school to say, you're going to work for us for free. Um, so we had that on top of our, our regularly scheduled things, and most of us who were there had jobs to go through college, so I had a job, and it would start 15 minutes after my last requirement and go till about 11 o'clock. So I wasn't cracking the books open till like 11.30. And at that time of night, if you're a student, and I know some of you are, some of you might be in school, <clears throat> you sit down at that time of night, you find a quiet place and you're alone and you crack your books and you're ready to study. And that's like the last thing you want to do. Right? I don't want to sit and study. I don't want to sit in this silence. I would just look at these, these you know, books with words on it or empty screens and <coughs> it was uncomfortable. I didn't enjoy it. And not just because I didn't like to study, and, I, and the truth is, I didn't like to study, but, but because of what those moments would bring up in me, the emotions that would come up, the emotions of, of, of anxiety, of, of inadequacy, like I was never going to be a good student, and I was never going to pass the exam, or I was never going to write the paper the way the teacher wanted. The, 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 the emotions of fear that I'm spending all this money to go to the school that I, you know, I don't really feel is doing anything for me. But this is what we tend to do with our emotions, isn't it? We tend, to, we tend to use these things to cover the things we don't want to feel. Maybe you, you can relate to that. Maybe you're a student and you can say, yeah, I know exactly what it's like. I don't want to go and study. I, 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 don't, I don't want to kind of feed into that. <coughs> but what else? What else do we do in our life? What else do we use in our life to kind of cover the things that we don't want to be feeling? Really, here's the question that I want to ask, and this is the question that's going to go with us through the, the whole morning message. It's really this. What do we use to mask the unwanted emotions? The, the things in our life that we would rather not listen to. The things in our life that when we're quiet creep up and it's really uncomfortable. So what do we do in, in, in turn? We just kind of find the knob and turn it up. Whatever we can do so that we don't have to listen to whatever's speaking to us. That we don't have to feel whatever's kind of stirring up and causing these feelings. What, what, what do we do? What do we use to unmask? What do you use to unmask your unwanted emotions? 
Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to do a little experiment. <clears throat> it's going to take about 15 seconds. And, and I, I, this is an all place. I want everyone to participate. I'm going to ask you to look around you. You can do that right now. Everyone, I did that first, and everyone kind of looked at me. No, look around. Look down the aisle. Here's what I, what I want to do. For 15 seconds, I'm going to ask you to find someone, holler across the aisle, text somebody who, if they're sitting really far away from you. <clears throat> I, I want you to find an opportunity r- right now, uh, when I say go, to engage with someone and to discover what do you use to cover your, the unwanted emotions. What kind of white noise do we use to mask the unwanted emotions? Now, it, you may be that introverted person who's thinking, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to sit on my cell phone. Here's the thing. You can do that, but that's just a perfect illustration of you finding a way to not deal with what I'm asking you to deal with. So th- that's okay. But here's what we're going to do. The, the sound guys are going to give us some music. I'm going to say go for about 15 seconds. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Find someone and ask them, what do we use to uh, mask our unwanted emotions? Are you ready? Everyone ready? 15 seconds. Ready? Go. Pencils down. You guys are talkers. The first service, I, I like, we went through that quick. You guys use a lot to cover your own one at sound, don't you? Uh, there is a lot of noise, and, and, and there's a lot of distractions. And my guess is I, we could just, I could have you guys shout out, and all of us could shout things. Um, I'm not going to do that because I've tried that once, and no one shouted anything, and it was really embarrassing. So I went ahead. I'm sure you have a list. You, you've talked. You have a list. What do people use for white noise? I created my own list, and, and I think my guess is most of us can relate to this. So here's a, a quick list of things that we use that I think we use to mask our unwanted emotions, to create white noise in our lives. And the first one is this, social media. Right? That's a huge one. I, I, this phone is, is an amazing device, but I bet you didn't know this. On this device, there's actually a phone app where people can call and talk to you. It's like my least favorite app. <clears throat> so if you really want to find a way to, to get to me, you can call and leave me a voicemail, and that just creates worlds of stress. Like, there are days I'd sit there and think, I don't know how I'm going to get anything done, because there's so many voicemails, and, and you know, i got to find a way, Lord willing, to respond to all of them. I, I don't really care for the phone app, but that's, we call this a phone. It's really not a phone anymore. It's a device. And, and one of the things that's on here is social media. And, and social media is, is amazing, right? It keeps us connected with people that we wouldn't otherwise be connected to. We can be involved in people's lives who live all the way around the world. People we met only once. We can get to know them and get to know what's going on. But <clears throat> the, the problem with, with social media is it keeps us so connected, we, we kind of detach from our own life. Like, here, here would be my question. What did people do 20 years ago to let you know that you weren't invited to a party that they were invited to? <laughs> like, did they just have to call and tell you? Like, I guess they're never going to know. And, and kind of, like... That's what we tend to use social media for now. We, just, we, we live in people's lives and we compare their lives to our lives and why, why am I not doing what they're doing? Social media is this thing that captivates us, but it creates so much white noise. It's the first thing we check in the morning when we wake up and the last thing we check when we go to bed. It's with us all day long. It, it, it's hard to even process without it. And as much as we think this thing brings us joy, the studies say they don't. The studies say the more you're connected to social media, the less joyful, the less happy you really are that the more time you spend on social media is directly connected to the, to the, to the rise and the raise in anxiety and depression. 
Social media is a huge one. That's a huge piece of white noise. How about this next one? How about music? <clears throat> I love music. Music's a huge form of white noise, isn't it? Like wherever I go, I, I turn music on. It's in my, my truck, and then I go in the house, and you know, I tell Alexa to play something, and, and when I'm sitting in my office, my laptop goes on or my, my phone goes on. Like It's always on. It's, it, there's always some kind of music. I like music so much <clears throat> that, that the other day I found myself driving in my truck, and usually my girls are with me. And I, I don't know if it was VeggieTales or Kids Bop, but it was on, and I'm in there for about 15 minutes on a drive, and I'm singing to all the songs. Then it hit me what I was singing to and listening to. And I kind of like eerily like picked up and looked in the rearview mirror like, why am I listening to this with no kids? <laughs> it didn't matter. It was white. It was noise. It was white noise. It was music, right? It was there to do what music does. I love music, but it's an incredible distraction. It, it, it's there, there to fill the silence. Have you ever tried to take a trip, <clears throat> like a long drive without listening to the radio or music? It's scary, right? It's eerie. That silence, like I was, I, I was talking with someone after first service, and it's like when that happens, all, all, like my mind just goes crazy and all these thoughts come in and, and we're almost desperate. Like I got to find the volume. I got, I got to find the dial. I got to turn it up because feeling that way is uncomfortable. Feeling that way is awkward. Feeling that way really is scary and it's eerie. If it's not music, maybe it's this one. How about Netflix? Notice I didn't say TV. No one says they watch TV anymore, right? We watch, do you watch Netflix? Of course I watch. Who doesn't watch Netflix? <clears throat> That's what we do. And, and what, you know, if you're like 35 or older, you'll remember this, you know, you, you came home from a long day of school or maybe a long day of work if you were a working teenager, and I'm just, I'm stressed out, I'm kind of overwhelmed, I just need to find a way to unwind, so I'm going to watch an episode of Full House. In, in today's world, we say, you know, I'm just so stressed, I had a really bad day, I'm just, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to whine and I'm going to binge watch an entire series. <laughs> like, that's, that's what we do, right? And then when we go to sleep, we don't sleep <clears throat> with a TV on, we sleep with Netflix on. And, and when I ask, I've asked people this a lot recently to kind of get some feedback, when I ask you, well, what do you tend to fall asleep to? Eight times out of ten, it's one, it's one show. Do you know what it is? The Office. Eight times out of ten, people fall asleep to The Office, which, which really intrigues me. Like, somehow the awkwardness of Michael Scott is so awkward, it finds a way to, to defeat the awkwardness in our life, and we fall, I, don't, I don't get it. But Netflix is a huge one. It's a huge distraction. It's a huge piece of white noise. How about this one? And no one will ever admit this, but how about that? Here's the truth. I have social media. I see all your posts. Don't lie. You're in church. You're all a bunch of lushes. <laughs> I'm not saying mine's bad. Not at all. But, but if you find yourself not being able to go to sleep without having a glass, that might be something you want to pay attention to. If you find yourself not being able to make it through a day without saying, I just got to go home and get that drink, there may, be, there may be something in that. How about this next one? How about food? Food's huge in our culture, isn't it? We love food. Someone's clapping for food. We literally <laughs> clap for food. I mean, the majority of Instagram is what? Food posts, right? Pictures of, of other people's food. Like, it, it's amazing. We're a food-obsessed culture. It's, it, it started with, you know, the shows on PBS, and, and now it, it, there's Food Network and the Cooking Network and Tasty and all these things on, on, on the Internet and, and YouTube. It's just, it's full of food. We're just a food-obsessed culture. Do you remember that, that, that episode of Saved by the Bell? where uh, Lisa Turtle was, was so overwhelmed with anxiety, she just couldn't stop eating, she just couldn't control it. <clears throat> My guess is when I, when I mentioned that episode of Saved by the Bell, your first thought went to that episode with Jesse Spano, where she was so stressed out, she was singing, do you remember? I'm so excited, I'm so excited, I'm so scared. <clears throat> and the truth is, she had a, a really difficult form of white noise, where she couldn't handle the anxiety in her life, so much so that, that she resulted to taking pills to cause a distraction. They're fun, but the truth is they can be incredibly painful. How about this last one? How about shopping? 
We don't like to admit to that. Shopping's not a form of white noise. I recently heard, heard a, a podcast with Dave Ramsey. Have you heard of Dave Ramsey, the financial peace guy? He's a wizard. A lady called in the show and said, Dave, I, I don't understand what's going on in my life. I, I just keep buying shoes. And I have so many shoes. I, they're, they're like pouring out of my car. I don't even wear them. I, they're, they're just, there's just so many. I don't know why I have them. And he said, well, let me ask. Like, do you ever notice when you tend to go out and buy the shoes? And she said, yeah, I do. She said, recently my husband and I went through an awful divorce. It was really ugly. And every Friday I have to pick my kids up and drop them off at his house. And after I drop them off, it's usually a terrible interaction. I leave and I go and buy a pair of shoes. And by her own admission, she's shopping to mask the things she doesn't want to feel, like her unwanted divorce. See, the truth is for all of us, we all have forms of white noise. We all have things in our life that are there to keep us distracted, to keep us from feeling the things we don't want to feel, or even better, to hearing the things we don't want to hear. See, white noise in and of itself isn't bad. The noises aren't bad. These things aren't necessarily bad. But they're keeping us from hearing the things that we need to hear. And the question is, how long are we going to allow it to do that? How long are we going to continue to live our lives without hearing the things that we desperately need to hear? Because the, the truth is that, that if the longer we spend time avoiding our pain, the longer we spend time being distracted by white noise, those things that we should be hearing, the things that we need to be feeling and dealing with, they're just getting worse. So at what point do we take a step back? At what point would we be willing to say, let me just turn down the dial so that I might deal with the things I don't want to deal with? See, the truth is for all of us is that we're raising a generation of kids who don't know how to deal with what they're feeling. I look at my own children, and, and, and I think, God, I don't know if they're going to be ready for this. I mean, unless Daniel Tiger had a, a bad interaction with a friend, they have no idea how to deal with bad interactions. I mean, this is just the, the world they're living in. And, and, and what do we do? Our kids come back, and they're anxious over school and stressed because, you know, they don't have the clothes that somebody else has, and they don't look the way, and they don't act the way. And we'll just create more distractions. I'll just turn up the noise. I'll put an Alexa in your room and you can tell her to do whatever you want and she'll do it. It's amazing. Anything to not feel what we're feeling and to not hear what we should be hearing. My concern is the more this goes on, the more our kids and our kids' kids and generations after us will have no idea how to be healthy people, how to be emotionally healthy people that know what we're feeling and know how to connect and know how to work through some of the challenges that life throws at us. So that's my hope for this morning, is that we would learn, that we would develop the skills to take a moment and perhaps turn down the noise, listen to what we don't want to listen to, and work through it. See, there's this amazing passage in Scripture. We've hit this so many times, but it's because it's, it's the message, right? Matthew 5 is, is Jesus' message to the world. It's the Sermon on the Mount. It's the thing that he processes time and time again. I believe it's the thing that he goes back to over and over and over again and continues to teach in different ways and in different scenarios with different illustrations. This was his message to the world. And he starts off his message by going through the Beatitudes, which is, is just amazing to me because he has this, this kind of juxtaposition. He, he basically takes all these things that society, that culture thinks are negative or bad, and, and he says, no, no, these are good, and here's why. It's the beginning of this message, of his message to the world, of, of my kingdom, my world, isn't at all how you think it is. And in, in this, I think he gives some incredible clarity to us on how to process the things we don't want to feel and we don't want to hear, how to work through it, and what the reward and what the ultimate goal is at the end. He starts off his message to, to the whole world, to us, to everyone, this way. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
I find that so amazing. The, the, the idea that we will see God. I mean, th- that's the thing, right? We don't see God. That's why so many people don't believe, because God is unseen. He's invisible. Prove to me there's a God. Let, him, like, let, let me see him. And like, I can't. He's been invisible forever. <clears throat> but Jesus says, no, no, no. Here's the thing. You want to see God? Then you have to learn to be pure in heart. And when it's talking about seeing God, I, I, I kind of interpret it this way, and this is what I think he means. Is that it's not like God's going to magically, mystif- like mystifyingly appear in, in a three-dimensional world. It's that you are going to see God in your life. You are going to see God in your circumstances. You're going to see God in those unwanted emotions that you've been pushing off and you've been masking for years and years. You're going to see God in the midst of whatever it is that you've been dealing with or struggling through, that decision that you have to be made, that that professional environment that you're headed into, that you're not sure how it's going to work out, that that fractured relationship that's causing so much pain. He said, you will see God in these situations when you are pure of heart. When you have clarity about your life and about what's going on, when you understand what it is you're feeling and take a moment to step out, he says, you'll see God in that. You'll see God in the midst of it. You'll see God in your emotions. You see, another way for us to say this is, is, let's kind of reverse this statement. It's really to say it this way. To the degree that we continue to mask our emotions, we will not see God. To the degree that we mask our emotions, we remain unable to see God. As long as we continue to find that noise knob and turn it up every time that thing begins to creep up, every time we begin to hear things we don't want to hear, as long as we continue to find that dial and turn that volume up, we remain unable to see God. Because our hearts aren't pure, our hearts aren't clear, our hearts aren't aware of what it is that we're feeling and what's going on. Because most of the time, the things that we're feeling, the things that are going on, those emotions, those, th- th- those things, those thoughts that come in, most of the time, I think that's God's way of getting our attention. Say, hey, don't miss out on this, right? We learned this in, in this last series, that, that emotions, emotions aren't bad. Emotions are simply messengers. They're there to tell you why you're feeling what you're feeling. When you feel that pain, emotions are there to say, hey, there's something wrong here. There's something missing in your life. There's a reason you're feeling this pain. Stop avoiding it. I need some attention here. Look here. The reason we feel that loneliness and you keep trying to escape it. It's like the emotion there saying, no, no, no. There's a reason you're feeling this way. Don't avoid it. Let's focus. Let's fix this. It's simply there to draw your attention to a problem that's going on in your life. I think it's God's way of getting your attention. And the longer we keep masking that sound and covering it, the longer we remain not seeing God present in our life. Do I have any counselors here? Perfect. Any unprofessional counselors here? Every hand should go up, right? I'm an unprofessional counselor. I'm by no means an expert. I don't do it for a profession, but, you know, I tend to speak on it more than I probably should. There's a really famous word that's kind of happening in our culture right now that I'm sure you've heard of, and that's that's this word here. It's mindfulness. You guys heard of this before? We've, we've all kind of heard of mindfulness, right? It's, it's a very popular term, but it's a term that I think is, is so kind of appropriate for this discussion. The idea of mindfulness is being present. It's being aware of what's happening around you, of what's going on, of the situation we're in. I don't like this, and instead of escaping it, let's be mindful of it. Let's be present in this situation. Let's understand why we don't like it, what the struggle is, what the pain is. Let, let's understand why it is we might be feeling the way we're feeling so that we can move on from it. That, that's, that's the point of mindfulness. And mindfulness, I, I think, is this, is this a, a amazing thing that, that, that the church shouldn't kind of 
throw a shoulder out or throw shade on or ignore. I think really mindfulness is this. I think mindfulness is preparation for prayer. I think mindfulness is God's way or even Jesus' way of saying, hey, here's what I want you to do. This is like being pure in heart. This is being clear of what's happening. I want you to be mindful of what's happening so that you know how to pray. That's the preparation for prayer. You want to invite God into your life? You want God to be a part of what you're doing? Invite him in. But you don't even know what to invite him into because the, not, the dials are up so loud you can't even hear yourself think. How do you know what you're experiencing? How do you know the emotions you're struggling with? How do you know this decision is just it is so weighty and so heavy that you don't want to make it? When the dials are up so loud, when the noise is up so loud, you don't even hear. Well, maybe we need to be mindful. Mindful about what it is that we're feeling and what it is that we're going through so that we can invite God in to this mess. Later on in that same, in that same uh, story, in the chapter later, the same message, Jesus just gets done saying, you know, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He then goes into this, this next phrase about prayer, which is really, I think, his kind of precursor for it. You, you want to know how to see God in your life? Here's what I want you to do, he says. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father in heaven who is unseen. He said, Here, here's the recipe. You want to see God in your life? Go and pray. And here's how I want you to pray. Close the door behind you. Get on your knees. And pray to your Father who's unseen, who you can't see, who you've never seen. That's how I want you to connect. That's how I want you to know your Father, and that's how your Father will begin to know you. But what I find really interesting is that is not at all how we pray, is it? That's not at all how, how we kind of do things in our life, is it? Here's, I think, more how we tend to handle the situation of prayer. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, get distracted by your phone, and end up reading a link about whether or not you should try a reverse mortgage. That's, I don't know about you, but that tends to be how it happens, right? We get down and we pray, and then our phone, our phone dings. And it's like, oh, I, I should look at this because I'm important. They might need me. It might be an emergency. It, it's, it's nothing. Or, or maybe we're praying, and, and we read through a scripture, and it's like, you know what? I want to read that scripture in a different version, a different translation. So I pick my phone up, and I read it in a different translation, which, which p- creates another question. And then I Google the question, and next thing you know, I'm reading a link about whether or not I should try a reverse mortgage. Like, I'm trying to get to the end of the Internet. Like, what's the end game? And, and this tool that is an incredible tool is now a distraction and the source of all of our, our noise. So much so that, that we can't even pray and connect to our Heavenly Father. I don't know about you, but I find it impossible to pray with this thing around me. I mean, it, it, to me, it is the source of all my noise. I can get music. I can go shopping. I can order food. <clears throat> name it. I can watch Netflix. Like, it's there. Anything I want, anything I need. And with that amazing tool comes all that distraction. And, and I think what Jesus is trying to say is the way you're going to know your father and the way your father is going to know you is when you learn to cut the distraction. And you create moments where you can know what you're feeling and invite God into it. The, the very next verse, after Jesus says, Here, here's how I want you to pray. Go in, close the door, <clears throat> get on your knees, pray to your heavenly father who is unseen. He says this, then your father who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's just amazing to me. Like, this whole thing just sounds twisted, doesn't it? Like, I want you to go into your room. I want you to close the door behind you. I want you to pray to an unseen God, to your unseen Father. He's invisible. And then this unseen God, who you've never seen, sees what you're doing and rewards you. It's like, Jesus, how does this make any sense? And then what does he reward me with? Like, what, what's this gift I'm, get, I'm given? 
He said, it's him. It's his presence when you pray. It's his presence in your life. It's his presence in your, in your situation. Well, Jim, does that mean that if I don't pray that, that God's kind of holding out on me? Like, well, you haven't done the, the formula. You didn't close the door. You forgot to get on your knees. You know, no, 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 not at all. It's more, it's more like this. It's more like God saying, I've poured everything out for you. I've given you all I can. I sent my own son who poured out his life for you so that we could know each other. But instead of connecting with me, you turn up the noise and you keep distracting yourself. And you never create an opportunity for us to come together and meet. See, it's not all that God's holding out. It's that we continue to build distraction after distraction after distraction so that God's never invited in. And I think Jesus is saying, you want to see God in your life? You want to experience God in your life? Perhaps it's time to turn down the dials a little bit. Perhaps it's time to, to, to create some awkward silence so that you can be aware, that you can be mindful of your situation, and you can say, God, here's where I need you. And the beauty of this is, is that's exactly where God wants to be. My, my guess is, if I were to ask you, what are... What are some of the things we don't want to feel? What are some of the things that, that, that we continue to go back and turn up those knobs of white noise because we don't want to feel it? I'm guessing we'd all have a list. We'd all create th this list of, of these unwanted emotions that keep popping up in our lives. But I I've created a list for us, and I, I want to walk through them. And I think this is a powerful list. My guess is you'll find one of these things that immediately connects to you. Here, here's the first one, a, a list of unwanted emotions. I, I think the first one's loneliness. I don't want to feel lonely. I don't like feeling lonely on my drive, so I keep my radio up or I listen to the podcast or, or I find, I, I make a call. I hate making calls, but I'll even make a call so I don't feel alone. I, I, I need, I, I want to mask my loneliness with something else. So the white noise goes up. Maybe it's, maybe it's this one. Maybe it's insignificance. I just feel completely insignificant. I feel, I feel like I don't matter. So I go to work. And I like to stay at work because at work I matter. And at work it's easy to see, you know, the dashboard and where I fit and how I progress and excel. So I, I just keep working and I keep working and I keep working. And I avoid ever going home because when I go home, well, what happens? I feel insignificant and I don't want to feel insignificant. So I'm going to work and I'm going to work and I'm going to work and I'm going to work to try to not feel insignificant. How, how about this next one? How about fears? <clears throat> fears. I, I just fear. I fear the future. I fear, I, I fear for my kids' future. I fear what, what might be happening to me, what might be happening to my family or my friends. I know that, that, that's just weird, but we feel that way. How about this next one? How about anxiety? There is so much more anxiety than there's ever been in our world. I talk to my, my children's principal who tells me all the time that the overwhelming fear that these young children, pre, preschool, like, like elementary students, are just overwhelmed with this fear of school and education and friendships and fitting in. How about, how about this one? How about inadequacy? I just feel so inadequate. I feel like I'll never be good enough, like I'll never amount to anything. Like my life has no meaning. How about this next one? How about pain? I'm just overwhelmed with my pain. The hurt is just insurmountable. I go home and, and you know, my dad left me and I'm reminded of it all the time. And then people bring it up and it's just, it's pain, pain, pain. And the noise goes up, up, and up. But what if for a moment we just decided to cut it? What if for a moment we just decided to get some clarity? What if we just decided to hear? To hear the things we haven't wanted to hear. To feel the things we haven't wanted to feel. You see, what's amazing to me is all I did was cut the noise. And emotions flare up every single time I do. Because nobody likes it. That eeriness, that stillness, that silence. 
I don't want to feel what that's making me feel. But perhaps that's God saying, I need you to feel what you feel. So you can invite me in and we can fix it. You see, the truth is, and we know this because we've seen this happen to so many people, that if we don't learn to deal with our emotions, our emotions will deal with us. And we have friends and we have family that have, that have just thrown their lives at the bottle and thrown their lives at prescriptions and thrown their lives at drugs and thrown their lives at addiction after addiction because it's just not masking the pain anymore. And I need more and I need something different. I don't want to feel what I feel when I'm alone. I don't want to feel what I feel when I'm quiet. I don't want to hear those things anymore. So I'm going to throw my life into something else. And it consumes and it consumes and it destroys. But here's the amazing thing. It doesn't just destroy you, does it? You see, I think we all have family that's saying, God, I, I, wish, I wish you'd just take some time to feel what you're feeling, to work through that. I, I bet you will have friends that say, God, I wish, I wish they would just, just take a moment to hear what they're trying not to hear. Because if we don't deal with our emotions, it's going to wreak havoc on those around us, on the people you love and you care for the most. So what do we do? How do we deal with it? Jim, you're right. I don't like this uncomfort. I don't like, I don't like the silence. But what do I do? Here's what I would say you start. I think the first thing you have to do is you've got to identify your white noise. Some of you, you know what that is already. You've seen the list. You're like, yeah, that's me. I know it. Netflix is my thing, music, shopping, whatever it is. Some of you may be here and you might not know at all what it is. And you're saying, I, I don't even know where to begin. Chances are you're here with somebody who would love to tell you. <laughs> on your way home, just ask. They would love to fill you in on it. Maybe you need to do the hard work. Maybe you need to ask somebody. What do I use to distract? What do I use to mask the things I don't want to feel? And, and then once we identify the, the noise, we have to do this next. We, we have to cancel it. Now, let me say this. I, I'm not saying on your drive home today, I want you to call Time Warner and cancel your internet. I'm not saying call Verizon and say, cancel my phone and throw your phone off. That's not what I'm saying. Experiment with canceling it. Take a drive and turn the volume off. <clears throat> Go have dinner with your family and not have the TV on. Go out to eat with your friends and leave your phone in the car. And I know what you're, you're saying. You're, you're immediately concerned. But how am I going to take a picture of my food? That's true. You might miss an amazing post, but you'll be a healthier person for it. And some of you are thinking, that's just amazing. Like, that's, that's my big takeaway from today. I got to stop taking pictures of my food. Experiment with canceling it. How do, how do, I, how do I do that? Here are three, three simple things. First, you find some simplicity. Find some simplicity in your life. Find, find a, a, a way for you to, to maybe alleviate the pressures of your schedule. Take a moment. Go for a walk in the woods. Find simplicity. See, I, I think one of our biggest forms of white noise that no one likes to mention is our schedule. We make ourselves so incredibly busy, we can't even stop for a moment to experience what we're feeling or what we're thinking. We're so busy. Find some simplicity. Get quiet, and this one everyone hates. I don't like being quiet. That's why I use noise. Absolutely. The noise isn't a bad thing. But what the noise is masking is something that's much more important. 
I'm not saying never listen to music. I'm saying try not listening to music. I'm going to say try sitting by yourself and thinking. Bring a journal with you and write down what you're feeling. Chances are God's trying to get your attention and for years you've been missing it because we don't learn how to be quiet. There's this amazing passage in in the scriptures, and I I know I'm going late with this. I I apologize, but... where somebody's trying to hear the voice of God and they keep missing it. It's not in, it's not in thunder, it's not in the weather, it's not in fire, it's not this loud, booming voice. It's a still, small voice that whispers. But when your noise is up even a little bit, chances are you're not hearing it. How about press pause? Just press pause in your life. Take a break. The Bible calls this a Sabbath day. Right? Even God took a break. He took a day off. Man wasn't created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. It's meant for you. You were created to take a break, take a vacation, press pause on your life, slow down, get quiet. And my guess is you'll start to feel things you didn't want to feel. You'll start to hear things you've been avoiding ever hearing. But if you could work through that, you'll be the healthiest person you could ever be. You'll be the person you've always wanted to be. But it's going to take some work. Then after you do these things, you got to be intentional to what it's masking. Be intentional to whatever that, 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 that thing that you're masking. Be intentional to listen to whatever it is. Be intentional to, to focus on it. What is God trying to say through this? What am I supposed to do with this, with this new thing that's been uncovered? How am I supposed to deal with it? I'm, I'm going to close with, with this one question. and This is the question I think you need to answer. As a matter of fact, we're going to close with the song. So worship team, if you want to come and and get ready. As they close with the song, here's here's all I want you to think about is this question. How would God want me to deal directly with this emotion? As we create opportunities of stillness, of simplicity, of quiet, of break in your life, and things begin to get identified, just ask yourself, how does God want me to deal with that? How would God want me to deal with this loneliness? How would God want me to deal with this anxiety? I I, I mean, just the idea. God, I'm so anxious. It's like God saying, why are you anxious? Cast all your cares on me. God, I'm so lonely. How many times do I have to tell you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You're not alone. God, I'm, I'm just full of so much fear. Fear not. I'm with you. There's nothing for you to fear. God, I, I'm, just, I'm overwhelmed with this, this, this feeling of insignificance. But do you know how much I value you? I gave you my son. I poured out, he poured out his life for you to show you how much I care so that I could know you and you could know me. You're not insignificant. God, I feel so inadequate. There's, there's nothing you should feel inadequate about. I am always with you and I will give you strength when you need strength. I will give you joy when you need joy. I will give you peace when you need it. God, I just, there's so much pain. Yeah, but I heal the brokenhearted and I mend their wounds. How does God want you to deal with what you're feeling? Heavenly Father, I thank you. God, this message is so incredibly challenging, even for me. Uh, But there is so much wisdom in learning, God, to hear what you're trying to speak to us, to turn down the noise long enough, God, and low enough so that we can hear what you're trying to speak to us. I pray that in this moment right now, God, as we just take an opportunity to hear you, God, that you would speak to us, that you would show us an area of our life, God, that needs your attention, that needs your attention and our attention, and then give us the wisdom to know how to deal with it. 
I thank you, God, for your promise that you are always with us and that you will never leave us, that you are faithful to the end. And I pray, God, that's exactly what you do right now in our lives. Be faithful to the end. In Jesus' name.